Grand Prairie, Dawson Creek, Fort St. John, or wherever you are joining from. Welcome to Fresh Angle. I am your host, Danielle. Fresh Angle invites you to hear about new, exciting ways to see God, yourself, and others. How do thriving relationships sound? Guilt and shame gone. Hope, peace, meaning, purpose, and a joy that can withstand whatever life throws at you can be your normal. We often fail to realize these things all have a common source, a clear understanding of who God is, of how he feels about us, and how knowing the truth changes everything. Stay tuned as Pastor Dan brings us a fresh angle on God, life, love, and the things that matter the most. Hey, welcome back to Fresh Angle. We are going to circle back to Elkanah, and we are going to look at what he did and didn't do from a fresh angle. I know we've advanced past Elkanah's main role in the story, and we will get back to where Hannah is and the birth of Samuel in our next episode. I wasn't going to do this, but it keeps playing on my mind, and so obviously God needs this to get out there for someone's benefit, and maybe that person is you. We are going to go to a story that has no women in it, so it's not a story we would have ever covered in this series. And it's a long story, so I don't have time to read you the whole thing. Samaria in 2 Kings chapter 6 is the capital of Israel. In that chapter, it gets surrounded by the army of Syria. How it worked back then was every city was a walled city to keep the enemy out. But when an enemy did come and surrounded your city, that kept supplies from coming in. And so enemy armies would come and they would bring supplies. And of course they could keep bringing more supplies because there's nobody surrounding them or stopping them. And they would prevent supplies from coming into a city and eventually starve the city out. In 2 Kings chapter 6, the siege goes on for so long, a mother actually eats her child because she's so desperately hungry. When the king hears what has happened, there are no words to describe the situation that they're in. If he gives in to them, they're in trouble. If he doesn't give in to them, they're in trouble. He is so upset and angry and frustrated. The king goes to Elisha, the prophet of God, because ultimately, of course, God is responsible for this. When he goes to see Elisha, Elisha tells him that the very next day, everything will be fine. Prices will be back to normal, food will be plentiful. I mean, it's crazy. How could you make such a prophecy? It's ridiculous, but he does. Meanwhile, while that's happening inside the city walls, there are four lepers living outside the city wall. The army of the Syrians doesn't bother them because who cares? They're lepers. They have no skin in the game. They have no influence in any of it. They're just there. They're not allowed in the city because they're unclean. So they're in no man's land between the city and the army on the outside. We're gonna pick it up with the story of the lepers. You may be wondering- What does it have to do with Hannah and Elkanah? It's coming. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate and they said to one another, why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city and we will die there. If we sit here, we will die. Now therefore come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians, and if they spare us, we will live, and if they kill us, we will but die. They've become suddenly very practical and very logical. We don't have any food where we're at. If we stay here, we're gonna die. If we beg for them to let us back into the city or find some way back into the city or however we get into the city, they don't have any food either, we'll die. The only people that have food that could possibly help us is our enemy. And the worst thing they can do is kill us. We're gonna die anyway. So the four lepers go into the camp that's pitched outside the city of the Syrian army. When they get there, the army is gone, but all their provisions 
are still there. I mean, you can imagine. It's like if society came to a grinding halt and the cities are empty and there's nobody around and you walk into a grocery store and it's fully stocked. And they are enjoying the food and enjoying being able to have. And then this happens. In the midst of their rejoicing and their eating, they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. Simply put, they realize very quickly, we are being selfish. We have, they don't have, and they don't know there's plenty to have. We need to go and tell them. But for a brief period of time, they were choosing their own gratification and their own selfishness over the suffering of their families and friends inside the city. Which brings us back to Elkanah and Hannah. Elkanah and Hannah got married, and they loved each other. And by all accounts, they were good people, nice people, well-intentioned people. They weren't hurting the world. They weren't hurting each other. They were a blessing. But then they found out they couldn't have children. And Hannah, what is she going to do? Elkanah, what is he going to do? Well, Hannah was in a position where there was nothing that she could do, but Elkanah thought of something he could do. And the something he did relieved his suffering and his childlessness, but it added to hers. You see, instead of remaining one with his wife in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, you know, all that beautiful things that we say and often don't follow through on, instead of standing beside her and being childless together, he found a way out for himself that only made her pain multiply. Selfish. It is so easy for us to become selfish. As long as my needs are met, as long as I have what I want, as long as I'm doing okay, as long as... I don't think it took Elkanah that long to clue in to what he had done to his wife. And then he tried to make up for it by giving her extra portions and treating her better than Penina. Then he even had the nerve to ask her, Why are you crying? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Was she not better to him than ten sons? You see, he found a way to scratch his itch, to get what he wanted, and then chastised her for being in a situation she couldn't get out of, and a situation he refused to stand by her side in. Hear the voice of love that's calling There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands everything you're going through. But you keep standing at a distance in the shadow of your shame. There's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place And bring it all to the table There's nothing here 
seen before For all your trials and your sorrows and your sadness There's a Savior and He calls Bring it all to the table He can't see the weight you carry Fears that hold your heart but Through the cross you've been forgiven You're accepted as you are So bring it all to the table There's nothing he ain't seen before all your trials, all your worries and your burdens There's a Savior and He calls Bring it all to the table Bring it all You can bring it all Nothing he ain't seen before For all your sorrows, all your trials and your sadness There's a Savior and he calls Bring it all to the table We live in a world where we always want to solve problems And that's good, that's fine, solving problems is amazing but sometimes, sometimes our calling is not to solve the problem. Sometimes God is calling us to sit with people in the problem. You know, I've noticed something consistent throughout my ministry, no matter where I've lived. I've lived in the East Coast, I've lived in Alberta, I've lived in Quebec. One thing I've noticed that's consistent across country so far, is that when people are suffering, whether it be a terrible divorce, whether it be lying in a hospital bed with a terminal illness, whatever it be, a difficult situation that nobody can really solve, that friends tend to disappear or keep a broad distance. And when I've talked to people and said, why, why aren't you going to visit them? Why aren't you going to see them? Why have you pulled back from them? The most consistent answer I get is, well, I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. 
Fair enough. But if you were in the hospital bed, would you want people to stay away from you because they couldn't fix it? Or would you want them to come and sit beside you, hold your hand, sing to you maybe, pray with you maybe, maybe just sit there in silence just to be there. Read them a book. Describe the weather outside. Tell them what's going on beyond the walls. Just be there. Elkanah was not willing to stand with his wife in their barrenness. And it near killed her. And then she took her pain to the God of all of us. Next week, we'll see what happens. God bless. We're glad you stayed and invite you to join us next week for another Fresh Angle. While you are waiting, be sure to stop by our website at www.freshangle.ca. Don't be satisfied with less than the truth about God and how he sees you. If your experience with religion so far has been more fear than faith, shame than humble confidence, guilt than joy, or confusion instead of clarity, you have come to the right place and we look forward to having you back next week. Pastor Dan is now on YouTube. Visit youtube.com at danwilsonpastor, like, subscribe, and hit the notification button for all the latest updates today.